Hello. Welcome to another installment of listener-supported Witch Hassle. I am, as always, your host, Gentleman John Barleycorn, freshly testing negative for COVID-19 and feeling just ready to actually be able to leave my home, which has been nice. It, the, the, the fall air is slowly creeping in, making New York crisper, cleaner, just more joyous to be able to walk about in now that I am no longer a danger to society. Got a great show for you today, talking to Sydney Gray about Care Bear magic and the Marys that she makes so well. And I don't think there are any sort of announcement type things, so here's that interview. I do hope you enjoy. Okay, I think the robot is going. Okay, hell yeah. <laughs> uh, thank you for being on. Um, so I like I, I I have been like stalking your Instagram now to do research about the magic you do. So there's like a lot of stuff that I actually want to ask you about now, besides the character <laughs> thing. Okay. But because no but because the opening salvo was like Care Bear magic, what's that? Um <laughs> Care Bear magic. What's that? <laughs> well, it's um, it's actually new to me too. It's something I've been thinking about for a long time, and I think that the Care Bears just make a resurgence when other people need them, which is so interesting. They have such agency as their own little spirits, and like they first appeared in the eighties as greeting cards, nineteen eighty one, I think. They were just greeting card designs of like, here's a little care for you. And because people love them so much, they became toys and the toys got their own show. But they started initially as this like American greeting card. Hey, I want to care for you in this particular way. I hope we have a better day. And that's how they that's how they started. That's how they came about in the first place. Everybody was on board really quickly. And in the 80s, they were huge. I probably would say because of Reagan and the crack era and all that. You know, like the 80s, 80s were rough. 80s were rough. Rough time. Um, also, I think a lot of people being like, well, we don't want to talk about the bad things that are happening. Exactly. Exactly. It's those two together. And kids were flipping out a little bit because that was really traumatic. So the Care Bears happen, right? Like there's all these little bears, the little belly badges, and they're super cute and they're really lovely. I listened to a podcast a couple weeks ago where these guys talk about toys and their mom made them Care Bears. Like it was that kind of this is obviously something that's helping kids. This is obviously something that people need. So instead of buying them for you, I'm going to make them myself and recreate the little butt button. They all have a butt button. Did you know about that? I did not know about that. They're, they're really cute. Butt button. Um, part on their butt. That is, uh, the kids at home who can't see this, it is a, like a depression in the fur. Like it's almost like they've got a, a ball patch. Uh-huh. Little butt button. And they have a little nose button that matches their butt button. Okay, so there's like a butt nose access that is <laughs> access that is going through the okay. Yeah, it's um their mom made them and even put the butt button on their bestowed patch instead of an actual button because you can find the heart button. They're little hard buttons. Mm. So um yeah, these these guys, these grown men, 
but it's just it's like a witch's spot that's incredible like it's a little hard spot that like doesn't feel pain on the care bear this is incredible okay sorry keep going i I don't don't (laughs) so i mean that's that's how intentional they were from the beginning they always wanted to care for people and then they came back again in like 2009 to 2012 when we had the great recession and people were losing their jobs and people were a little scared of everything they suddenly reappeared people wanted to talk about care bears again and then they went away and they came back again in 2021 post-pandemic in the middle of the pandemic people were flipping out again and they made a resurgence they have their own little agency of like oh wait people need us again so I think we're on the third or fourth version of Care Bears reappearing as spirits to like come through and help people. So this iteration, I would say that this, this particular Care Bear, Love A Lot Bear, just started showing up everywhere. And I'm like, what is this about? Why are you here? I know I like pink. I know I like gold stuff. Like, what do you, what do you want? (laughs) Why are you here? And after that, people just kept texting me about Care Bears or sending me Care Bear stuff. And I'm like, you don't know that this thing is stalking me. Why are we, what is happening? So I started tapping into it, right? Like their their own spirit cosmology of these little bears that want to help people. They want to care for people. And the more that I tapped into that, the more it was really pulling out what was going on. Care bears are, I think, a mirror for our own goodness and how we can share something with the world. I know we do a lot of like personality tests with astrology or which deity we most are closest to, which like big bad thing, which shadow work thing. But we very rarely look at how we can help people and how we can be good to people. Mm. And that's, it's not normal, right? Like we always want to say like, what are our flaws? What are we trying to figure out? What are we trying to work through? How do we help our trauma along? Like what all these things are great, but we very rarely look at ourselves as good and then how our goodness can help others. Right. We never identify with like the full palette of our potential goodness. Exactly. Because what? That's not fun. That's not sexy. That's that's like. But shouldn't it be? Exactly. So how did you? Okay. So like clearly they're gang stalking you. Yeah. And you're like, okay, I want to actually talk instead of just being hunted my entire life by the Care Bears. So how did you actually like make contact with the Care Bear? I wish I wish I just ended up bringing in loves a lot bear like I got a little one and then I got another one and then I got another one and I'm like okay what's up so I just started like having her around in different places in the house and noticing how I thought differently and noticing what was going on in my brain of like oh I do do that that is how I care for people that is what I do and I have a bunch of friends that listen to me do my crazy and they love me so they started asking me, like, what is the deal with the Care Bears? And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's a thing. I wonder which Care Bear you are. And they were like, wait, what? And I'm like, exactly that whole face. I'm like, wait, what's happening? And I'm like, Let, let's, let's talk about this. And I started it with a broader conversation about your energy, right? Like your energy, your ashe, the thing that you walk through the world with, how you interact with the world. I talk about that so much in other contexts, but with non-witchy, non-magic practicing sorcerers people, they're like, what the, what? What does that mean? Why Why do I have to think about my energy? I'm like, planetary energy? They're like, I don't know what that, what, it, what? Uh, this deity, that deity, some cosmology? They're like, no, what? I'm like, okay, cool, cool, cool. What is the thing that you bring to the room? 
naturally that you don't have to think about, that you don't have to work for. What do you bring to the room? How do people interact with you? How do people talk to you? How do people stand next to you or not? What do you bring to the room? And they went so broad and it was very interesting to see people try to self-identify what that thing was. And then I had to flip it, right? Because we're talking about Care Bears. How would you care for people? How would you naturally care for people? If you were in a room full of sick people, mentally ill people, emotionally tired people, what is the first thing that you can do? What is the thing that you do? Assuming that somebody else has everything else, what is the first thing that you want to do for those people? How does that ashe, that energy, who you are, not only work for you as your own personality or how you want to walk through the world, but how do you help other people? And that's where the leveraging started to happen of like care bears are helpers, they're active. So how do you figure out how do you help people through the lens of the care bears? Like here's a bunch of them, here's the colors of them, what do you resonate with? What intuitively are you drawn to? What do you know is a no? And I kind of started walking people through that. And after I did, they had these big aha moments of like, oh my God, I'm share bear. And I'm like, yeah, that's cool. Tell me more. <laughs> and then they like learn about it more and they end up starting to do more of those things that are aligned with share bear. And they keep seeing that as a mirror of like, oh, this is how I'm good to people. This is what I do. And I bought one of my friends a bear. She's like, oh my God, this is, this is real, the Care Bear talks. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. They kind of like to be in conversation with you about how you're doing that thing and aligning you to the thing that you naturally are instead of trying to be somebody else. Okay, so like the magic of a Care Bear is a magic of like self-transformation, but it's it's a transformation into something that's already kind of there. Yeah, it's more alignment, right? Like yeah, you okay. know who you are, but you have all this other stuff that comes at you, who you should be, how you should be doing in the world, what you should be doing with your life. Like you have parents, you have media, you have politics that are all trying to shove you into different boxes that you might ex not exactly fit into, but you're not, most people aren't comfortable saying, I don't fit into that, but I am good at this. Mm. So I think that's where Care Bears come as an alignment piece of like, you don't have to help people or care for people in the exact same way as everyone else. Your way of caring is valid. Your way of helping is valid. If it's cracking jokes and making people feel better, that's a valid form of care. That's a valid form of help. You don't have to like figure out how to like feed everybody at the same time and make sure they're okay and be a doctor. Like you could just be the person that lifts the room and says everything's going to be all right. That rules. Uh, do you like in interacting with these spirits, right? Do you get the sense that this is like the Care Bear, like wherever Care Bears initially came from? Like, I assume it's like a, a Hasbro thing or like, uh, or whoever does all the, the board games. Um, I'm going to. It's a greeting card company, actually. Oh, right. You said, yes. Yeah, so, like, yeah, so that must have been, I guess, Hallmark or anyway, but like, who, did they just sort of come into being in that moment? Do you feel like when you have a Care Bear? there's another spirit using that as a mask? Like, do the Care Bears attract similar spirits that like, oh, I, I read this vibe, says uh, the ghost that's been floating in the apartment for like two years. I don't think you can separate them, right? Like, because if you're really tapping into that energy, just about everything around you tends to be in that vein, right? So like, mm. I think Care Bears are characters in the same way that like, 
characters to me are spirits, right? Characters in books that feel really real and have lives and narratives and you can you can kind of tell that their life is going on outside of that page. They're real, like they're actually spirits. So if you bring that to Care Bears, right? Like they are real characters with things that they want to do in the world, personalities, how they are, how they behave. It's a super animist version of life, but I think that they have their own thing, right? Like they have their own will. They have their own agency of how they want to help people. And they keep coming back in different iterations depending on when people need them. Because not all of them come back at the same time. Mm. There's certain sets of them that'll like step up and then they'll fade back down. And there's another set of them that'll come through and then fade back down. So it's really interesting how much agency they seem to have, even though they are toys and characters in that way. That's really interesting. Do you do you foresee a possibility of like new Care Bears emerging from something like this practice, right? Like you're, you're meeting people and so you're like, well, that person, their form of care doesn't currently have a Care Bear aligned to it what if we made one you know you know they actually do that themselves which is so bonkers to me like the care bears themselves as things happen in the world new ones come out that respond to the way that people talk to them in the world which is so fascinating there's like an all-together bear now that's more about this rainbow colored Mm. now that we have more conversations about lgbtqia issues there there's a earth bear now that wants to talk about like how to care for the earth in a specific way, how to like build back and build plants. Like they they are really responsive to current events. They're also responsive to location. There's different care bears that happen in the UK. I think there's one that's in Australia only. Like they're interestingly enough, really in tune with what's happening politically and what's mm. happening in the world and how people change what they care about and how they care. So I might not have to do anything with that. You can just wait a minute and another one will pop up because they end up doing that right that's like their their essential drive anyway that's that's really cool i mean this sounds okay so you've like it sounds like you've mostly like sort of linked people with care bears to like a conversational kind of thing right like tell me about you what do you like you know that sort of thing have you ever sort of tried to use a care bear in a more like i don't know less obvious way like oh my boss is a bit of a pill some of the time what if i stash a care bear in like a corner of their office or just like here's i got you a gift that has no active properties whatsoever please do keep it near your bed Uh, (laughs) i i haven't i haven't thought of that yet you know honestly most of my practice is doing spirit social work more than it is that face was awesome uh more than it is doing um <laughs> doing specific kind of moving the the room stuff right like mm. I do more matching so care bears want to talk to people people want to talk to care bears and I help them figure out which one they're talking to or which okay. one is the best match for them but that goes in a bunch of different ways in my practice I do the same thing with like found statues I have a saint hotel that like saints they're stuck in these weird places that they don't belong in like thrift stores or Mm. vintage shops and they're just hanging out there forever because people don't really buy saints from places like that unless they're really looking for them so if they end up talking to me I say okay we can bring you home we'll put you in the hotel I'll give you a little water give you a candle and then we'll match you with the right person you can find your person it's 
it's that matching factor mm. that we're interested in and less of the like active Care Bear magic. So I want to come back to this idea of spirit social work because I actually, um, my second year of social work school started yesterday. So this is something that is very near and dear to me as a, as a concept, though I also am very excited to hear what it actually is. But like, before we get off the Care Bears in a direct way, offerings to a Care Bear, is it just sort of an offering of care, like in the name of this Care yeah. Bear? I keep, okay. They're so low maintenance. It's so great. Like, they just want to be loved and hugged every once in a while, slept with. Like, they are stuffed animals at the end of the day. Mm. They were always made to be caring things, like greeting cards or stuffed animal. That's how they started. All the TV and all the shows that tried to make them into something else and, like, more marketable, that's not exactly why they came in the first place. They just want to be loved. Okay. That's like apocryphal Care Bear mythos. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about spirit social work. How do, what, like, give me, give me a rundown. What is that? I, uh, I hear from a lot of things. I hear from a lot of spirits. I hear from a lot of beings and usually they're not all for me. Like I have mine for sure. And I love them, but there are some folks that have come through and be like, Hey, hey, excuse me. Excuse me. I don't want to be here anymore. Can you get me out of here? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's cool. And then it's finding the right person. And making sure that that spirit is matched to the right person and how they're going to live together well, rather than like just selling something on a table outside my house. Like that, that's a difference to me. There's a difference of agency and whether, whether that spirit wants to go to that person or not, if that person has a room in their life for that spirit, if the spirit and the person aren't getting along, how do we figure out like how to get them on the same page? Cause usually it's a communication issue it's um, it's like people, right? Like, yeah, need help sometimes, and we are in this particular society. It's not cool to hear from dead folks or spirits or care bears. So, if I can at least offer a glimpse into that or open that up for people and make it okay, then that that feels like I'm doing good by the humans and by the the entities at the same time. I love that conception of it because I'm, I'm so used to hearing about like spirits as being, you know, it's always like a hierarchy thing, right? It's like, I'm a devotee of, you know, the spirit. So it's like, well, I'm roommates with this spirit or like I've adopted it as one would a puppy because it it needs help and love. That's so nice. Uh, how long have you been doing that kind of stuff? Uh, maybe like three or four years now. Okay. How'd you get started? Was it just, you know, like enough things were tapping you on the shoulder? You're like, well, I got to I got to do something about this. Well, okay, maybe I misspoke because I've been doing reading since I was like 16. I was okay. that kid in high school at the the like lunch table, not eating and doing tarot card readings and scaring my friends. Oh yeah. That was fun. But <laughs> it's, I think from then I was hearing stuff that needed to be said and the cards were just something on the table for people to look at, right? Like I was picking up on things that people weren't telling me they weren't letting me know what's going on. And I pulled the cards and then I'll be like, yeah. And, and like these five things that it's going to be a little weird when I say it, but this is what's going on. So I think that's been part of it. I think even the sixth sense, when I first watched it, I'm like, that makes sense. You talk to dead people. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. And my family has always been like that, right? Like we, Mm. 
we were cut off from a lot of practices, but a lot of my family members would talk to past family members and say like, oh, this aunt just jumped into your body and said something out of your mouth. (laughs) And then like, it would just be normal conversation and move on. Or like my cousin who's wonderful is mostly silent and people know what she's saying without saying anything. Like we're kind of close so I can stand in front of the fridge and just pass her whatever she's thinking about and she'll laugh about it and then move on. And it wasn't until I got out of my family that I was like, oh, this is weird, y'all. Like we, (laughs) this is a little strange. Do you want to talk about it? And everyone's like, nah, it's fine. (laughs) If it works, it works. (laughs) And it's so not normal and it's so enclosed that we just didn't talk about it like it was just one of those things that you can say everybody around you knows what's going on and anybody outside the family is like this is weird why are you all like this a lot of dating gets really interesting when people come to our family for like thanksgiving especially because people are like there's a whole other thing happening and i don't know exactly what's going on and you all are talking about it, and you think it's normal. This is odd. But isn't every family kind of like that in some way? Yeah, yeah. Ours is just with, like, spirits and plants and lights flickering and, you know, normal stuff. Honestly, that's way more appealing than, you know, I'm from New England, so, like, it's a lot of just, like, there's clearly a conflict happening in the room, but no one's addressing it, which is almost more supernatural to behold. It's interesting, right? Like, those are, that's kind of where I started, because I thought it was normal it's not exactly normal and that's fine but it's not something that I ever shut down either because it was so normalized in my family so I think I've just been hearing from stuff off and on for a long time and thinking that was fine and other people would be like what like what where did that come from I'm like oh it's right there that's why yeah but I think professionally and more publicly it started Four years ago now? Okay. Four years ago. What was it like taking like sort of like just the family habit and like making it like a, a kind of public jobby type thing? It wasn't on purpose. It was through initiation and listening to my own spirits. That's that's the fun part of doing spirit work. When things start to go well, you then have more responsibility. And mm. I think that that path led me to getting initiated in two African traditional religions or traditions. And during those traditions and during those initiations, I was told you have to do spirit work. You have to do magic for other people. You cannot have a nine to five job like a normal person because you have to do this work. And I said, oh yeah, sure, no. And try to keep my nine to five job anyway. And then got another reading soon after that of like, hey, you need to do that thing that you're supposed to be doing or you will have no money. So either you can go live in the woods and paint your toenails with mud and you'll be fine. Or if you want to live in this society and make money, you need to do the thing. You need to, you need to do that thing you're supposed to do. And I listened. I feel like that really anticipates the standard counter argument of that sort of situation where like a spirit's like, you need to just devote yourself to this whole time. You're like, ah, but I need dental insurance. So maybe I don't. This actually, okay. So turns out we have a mutual friend. I found out because I like brought this up. Multiple. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I guess really I <laughs> that makes sense. But one of them <laughs> and I were like 
you know, like having a beer in his apartment. And he was like, oh, well, if you're talking to her, you should ask her, you know, you recently moved from New York City to New Orleans. What's it been like doing magic, like in a new spiritual ecology? How was the vibe different? Because like personally, when I think of New York City, it's like crossroads. It's a big crossroads town. Whereas like New Orleans is like a bowl. Like you're like in a scrying bowl or you're in a pit, you know, and it's just wet all the time. Yes. Well, like, how's that how's that change been? How have you navigated that? Ah, it's it's a culture shock in some ways. Where like I was used to the pace of New York and the crossroads part of New York. Like there's a lot of go that happens with New York and things happen quickly. Like it's not like it's a wait and see, it's a right now. Go do something at the crossroads, then you get a result in like two days. I think New Orleans is um it's more shifty, right? Like it's, it's a landscape. You can talk to the dead a lot easier for one. Huh. Have to climb upstairs. They're just right outside. Mm. Right. Like New York is so structured. New York is structured. It has places. It has a lot of concrete. It has a lot of like order and it's not just the crossroads di- like horizontally, but it's the crossroads vertically too. There's a lot of stuff that's just kind of in the landscape that you have to maneuver around. And that can be awesome if you're trying to talk to people really quickly, right? Like it's almost like telephone poles where you can hit different things and bounce things off of the structures. Because mm. New Orleans is like more watery, right? Like it's, there's a floaty kind of air to it. When the air feels different, then things work differently. And there's land, like even in the, the streets that are paved over, they always crack. They have holes in them. You can always touch the land. Mm. And there's nothing sticking straight up. So it's just like air above you and land below you. And that's just a different kind of working. So like the dead are easier to reach in New Orleans. Are there any spirits that are like harder to talk to in New Orleans, you find? Not exactly harder. I think there's a lot more noise to cut through, if that mm. makes sense. Right. Like there are a lot of practitioners here. There are a lot of practitioners that are on all the time. Like they're that's just what they do. They're tapped in, they're plugged in and they they want to have access to everything, but might not know who they're talking to, why they're talking to whatever, calling on deities that they have no attachment to, no initiation to whatsoever. But they're like, no, I lit a candle. It's fine. Like it's, it's just much more <laughs> loose. At the end, Tim, whatever, it's fine. (laughs) It's that kind of thing, right? Like, it's less formal. It's a lot less formal. And because it's a lot less formal, everybody's talking all the time. And even other practitioners, like, I heard from this thing, and I heard from that thing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Do you have something for me? Or do you just want to, okay, cool. So it's it's that kind of, like, on, like, constantly, and everyone half tapping in. So I think there are a lot of spheres that are like still trying to get to or through people and they get a little crowded because people are like halfway listening and half not or half in and half out. I have a neighbor that's like, I'm going to put up barricades because you understand that it's for protection and spirits. And I'm like, what? You just put two chairs out. What do you mean? I mean, that's cool. Do you actually want to talk about it? No, 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 I don't do that. Oh, okay. Well, I guess the chairs did something, but what if they sit down? Like what? <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm putting up a wall 
between me and the spirits that is made of a delicious meal that I have prepared and also a bunch of welcome gifts that I have wrapped. Right. It's that kind of vibe all the time. So sometimes it's just a little hard to cut through what's actually trying to come through and talk. Mm. What's like just in the area. It's it's very crowded. There are some structures, some things that are really cool. Like in Congo Square, there's this huge tree that I was going to go do something with one day. And when I got there, there were candles lit around it and there was something else happening. I was like, oops, well, I'm going to find a spot that's not disturbing whatever somebody else just did. But clearly this is the right tree. Great. Great. Nine out of 10 occultists agree. Uh Uh-huh. That's interesting because I feel like I kind of bring up. So like, you know, I feel like with this whole like people who are like half listening or they're not quite, like they don't kind of like care that much to be like, who am I talking to? Why am I talking to them? Like, I feel like that that speaks to a level of like discernment that hasn't necessarily been like cultivated sometimes. And I'm wondering now, like given that you grew up in a household that was very magical, very psychic, it sounds like, and you just sort of, you didn't have to work at getting any of the kind of like openness or the hearing that you have in the same yeah. way. If you had to do work to like cultivate it or like train it or kind of direct it in some way? Yes, that was that was really difficult because most of the people in my family do a lot of work to shut it off. Oh. And that's that's the catch of my family, right? Like everyone hears something, knows something, whatever. But then they do stuff to, to calm it down and shut it off. So like sometimes it looks like drugs. Sometimes it looks like drinking. Sometimes that looks like just getting really busy and not paying attention. Like that's, mm. there's that level of like, this is not okay. This is not normal. So I'm just going to turn it down a bit and dial it down a bit. I got really reckless in my 20s and decided to start trying stuff. I set up an ancestor altar. I started working with Santa Muerte. I was all on my own and was really foolish, really foolish and did a lot of stuff and figured some stuff out the hard way. What were some, what were some like, I don't know, uh, close calls or, or bad outcomes that taught you a valuable, like this sounds like a college essay. What was a bad thing that happened to your early twenties that taught you a valuable lesson about yeah. magic? <laughs> <laughs> I I was hearing from one particular deity very strongly and I kind of didn't want to listen at all at all so things would happen like glass would break in my house and I would have glass stuck in my foot for like a day yeah yeah it was it was bad right like there was always broken glass I like got flipped out of a chair once because I sat in front of her and wasn't supposed to the chair flipped like it flipped from underneath me there were other people in the there was another person in the room that saw it was like what just happened I'm like oh no I'm I don't know and I didn't want to explain what had happened yeah but it definitely it hurt a lot and a, a glass that I had on her like little fake altar that I made for her like leapt off the altar and then landed on its stem and it didn't break it was there was a lot of that there was a lot of smacks so how did the two of you resolve that apparent conflict? I got initiated. <laughs> Aha, okay, I got you. And it, it, it honestly taught me how to respect a lot of these practices and traditions. They're not something that, you know, you can just pick up without 
really knowing what you're doing without finding the right person and the right people to initiate you into different traditions. Like it's, I was kind of lucky that I got to talk to her before initiation, but it was also really, it was a struggle. Walking around with glass in your foot and getting bruises on your butt is not fun. You know, people don't talk about that side of of magic, right? It's always like, oh, I'm worried I'm going to get hexed and not like, oh, I need stitches. Right. And that's, I think that that's the, especially now that I live here with Voodoo, like there is such a, in some ways, lack of respect for getting veves tattooed on you. You don't know who these people are or you know, like, I'm going to talk to this deity today and it's going to be fine. And I'm like, yo, they can kill you. What is happening? Like, it's, it's that just kind of cavalier. And I think it does have to do a little bit with the Western idea of I can take whatever I want and turn it into the thing that I need instead of really thinking about where these people come from, how they originated, how they have an entirely different cultural context than an American Western cultural context and approaching them is very, very different than being like, hello, I am here. Do my bidding, go away. Right, that that classic problem of like, okay, so you think this thing is is powerful enough to get you a job or um, give your ex a car accident or something like that, but they're not so powerful that they won't just do what you want if you yell at them. Right. And it's not like they have their own agency. And that's, I think that's where the agency piece comes in a lot, right? Like these traditions have been created because they have their own history, right? Their own lives outside of you, your little person deciding to like stick your toe into it. They have their entire own cosmology and way of working and culture and initiates and priests. And like, there's all these things that people wouldn't do to something like Islam, right? Like they wouldn't just be like, I'm just gonna dip my toe into being a Muslim for two seconds to get something out of it and then peace out. Like it's it's not the same level of respect because it seems more approachable because they're like monotheistic, no polytheistic systems, right? Like I always say the same thing for Hindu, right? Like people dip in, like Kali is everything. And I'm like, yeah, or, or there are ways to approach this. There are people you should probably talk to, there are initiations you should probably get. Like maybe don't be that person that like dips in and dips out because you want something from a generic mother goddess that you think is cool. Like that's, that's not how this works. Yeah. Do you think that's like, I feel like, there's something in that of like people who like, well, the thing I don't like about spiritual practices is other people. So I'm just trying to avoid that in some way, which feels like then like they don't, they're not going to treat spiritual entities with the same respect they might other people. That's the thing, right? Like it's, it's a lot of work to, to come into these spiritual practices and it's not the way that Christianity is set up. And even if people are like atheist, secular, Wiccan, whatever, we are still living, especially in the U.S., in a very, very Christian coded context. So in the same way that like you can talk to God or talk to Jesus and like whatever. And there's no repercussions because there's no way to do it because that's the way the Christianity is set up, right? Like Jesus died for our sins and then we apologize 
whenever we do anything bad. Like that, that's the way, that's the way of communicating. You can pray for stuff and then it happens and then it's wonderful. And you don't have to pay him because he's all loving all the time. Right. Like Sky Dad is never going to get revenge on you while you're alive. So you can be as like disrespectful and weird as you want, as opposed to, you know, all these other spirits who are like, didn't like, didn't like your tone. Here's a broken leg. Yeah. Right. Like it's that it's just a shift culturally. It's a shift of like, what does it mean to have spirits that are in con in communication with you in real time? where you owe them payment if they if you ask them to do something for you or you have to like they tell you to go do something for your health and you say meh like it's not like <laughs> it's not like they're telling you this because they want to like punish you because that's another level of it right like there's the all knowing all loving all punishing version of christianity where like there's this like weird loop of like I gotta be good or I'm gonna get punished or I will, I was bad. So then I have to apologize or else I'm gonna get punished. And what do I do? And it's, it becomes such a weird loop that has nothing to do with the cultural experience of a spirit that's saying, like, hey, don't eat pears because you might die. And you say, uh huh. And then you go eat pears anyway. And then you're sick and you're like, oh my God, you did this to me. Like, no. No, that's not how this is set up. This is preventative medicine mm. so that you don't die. And if you do it anyway, all they're going to do is say, I told you so, stupid. Don't eat the pear. But isn't that worse than being punished when you think A about it? Bit. <laughs> It's just, you know, I can I can take anything except a little bit of shame, I guess. So actually, this brings me to something I want to ask you about, which is uh, the squish animals, right? Because like this idea of like feedback and like a spirit is telling you how or what to do a little bit. When you make these squish, I mean, I guess we should dial back just a second. Be like, squish animals, well, for the kids who don't, uh, who haven't been going through your Instagram for a little bit, what are those? <laughs> Oh, fun. Um, so I make stuffed animals. I think my my shay, my energy, all of that is very funny sometimes to describe to other people because I make stuffed animals and pretty things that have a lot of punch underneath them that you don't know until after the fact. It's the way I roll, apparently, magically. My magical color is pink and gold and sometimes red. And like that's that's how I live my life. And it's very funny to be in the middle of other practitioners that are like blackness and I'm like mm -hmm, I'm gonna wear my pink skirt it'll be cute so stuffed animals happened uh, to me like most of my magic practice does I wanted to make a lion actually for my friend's baby when her baby was turning one and I, I wasn't doing much with my life because I was stuck in the house for a year and wearing all white and it was great Oh. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll I'll make a stuffed animal. I've been crocheting. This is fine. I'll make a stuffed animal. And I made this lion and I gave it to my friend and put other things in it. Like I put herbs in it, warming herbs and some cinnamon and like some stones. It was very much like this is for my friend's baby because, you know, babies are great. And this is how I work anyway. And I wanted to put stuff in the lion. So this is fine. And I gave it to my friend and that lion never made it to the baby. Never. She was like, this is mine now and I'm keeping it. And this is for me. And I'm going to keep it at work on my desk and he's going to help me get through my day. And I'm like, yep. 
for your kid. But she's like, no, you can make her another one if you want to. But this is this is for me. And that that's how that started. <laughs> it just the lion ended up being her guide, her like confidant at work. She would hold it sometimes. She's like, oh, you can smell the herbs sometimes. This is nice. And if she had like hard meetings or something, she would put the lion as a talisman on her desk to like look at people as the meeting was happening. It was it was really interesting. And I just kind of fell into it that way. So like, is it mostly like someone comes to you and like, I need a thing or this is what I'm looking for? Or is it sort of like, because if these are sort of houses for a particular spirit, right? Do the spirits kind of come to you and say like, like you should make an alligator i'll explain later or like <laughs> or that. like you know you're like you're doing it and it's like oh no 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 it should be longer it should be bigger a different green or something ah okay so the spirits it's a very social work based process right like there is a spirit that says hey i need to get made right now or i need to get made eventually and i say okay i have committed to doing two per sun sign so it ends up being a lot. Like they take that long just about to make. And that is that is how they happen. Sometimes it comes through a dream where I have my own stuffed animal and she's wonderful. She will actually introduce me to another animal in a dream sometimes. Mm. And they'll tell me how they want to look, how they want to be made, why they want to be made. One of them was really cool. That was the snail that I still haven't made yet, where the snail started showing me like its undersides, like a little dance to say like, look, it should look like this. And I was like, that's awesome. It might take a while because you're slow. And that's how they are too, right? Like their, their properties as animals also colors how they are. So it's mm. more of, um, it's like kind of a multi-prong way of building the spirit body one is what sign it is like some animals want to be born in different signs two is the property of the animal itself of like how fast or how slow it gets made i can't even control that that's just how they end up happening and three is what goes inside of them like there's herbs in all of them they each have a heart that is some kind of gemstone that is very important to them they all have little feet medallions that kind of give you a clue to what the kind of work they want to do. Mm. And they, they tell me all of it. They tell me all of it. Usually I get little bits of it in the beginning. And then as I go along, it gets more refined. And the more I work with them, they also have personalities that are doing certain types of work. And that ends up coming out in the TV that I watch, which has been a very interesting part of the process. So you've been doing like hulamancy. Oh, hi there. If you're hearing this, it means you're listening to an abridged version of the episode. If you want to hear the full version, and if you want to hear a bunch of other full episodes and bonus type content, head on over to patreon.com slash witchhassle. You'll be glad you did. All right, back to the interview. Toodaloo. How does it feel to be another year older in Ocha? I'm not the baby anymore. Aww. And it's it's a little difficult. Like there's the that moment of like, oh, I have to level up really quickly. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> if I want to help other people specifically through this practice, I need to be able to do a bunch of stuff on my own because I am not the baby anymore and I need to 
shape it up and figure it out. Okay. But you're confident you can, you can pull that off. It's going to be fine. I think that, yeah, like the more, the more that I do, I do more than I think that I do. I think that's part of the like interesting part of a lot of my work. A lot of my work is sewing or craft work or, you know, kind of light touch to me because I like making stuff pretty and wonderful. And I talk to spirits a lot. Like there's, there's a level of, especially with my Orisha, I do a lot of work with them that I don't count as work because I just think of it as building relationship with them and communing mm. with them and spending time with them. And it's, I have learned a lot more than I thought that I have because I just like being with them. I like yeah. coming out and making stuff with them and listening and doing what they say when they do it and making food as like a bow or like helping my life around. Like there's, there's stuff that I do know that I'm doing, but it doesn't feel like work. So I'm always holding myself to a higher standard of like, Oh, I should do more. I should learn how to do this part of it. I should learn how to do that part of it. Yeah, so much of magic is just hanging out and being yourself, which is uh, a lot like Fight Club. So that's really fun. There's something I wanted to ask you about before, because because we have been talking for like an hour and I don't want to like take up all your, your time. I appreciate this. This has been great. Um, I have but, time off. You can cut a lot of this if you want to. But like, Oh, no. I mean, it, we... Actually, we've been doing so much. I might actually do that thing of like, here's a bunch of it. Here's a bit behind the pantry. Whatever. I don't know. It's a little... But the thing that I want to ask you about, the Marys that you make, absolutely gorgeous. Huge fan. Love the idea. I, they're like resin or something, right? Is that the yeah. sort of part? Yeah. So like the fact that they just look like you've done, when you like take a picture of them and put them somewhere, just like you've cut something out of the picture and replaced it with flowers or something, right? Yeah. Like it's very surrealist. Huge fan. How is making those sort of distinct from, say, like the squish animals, right? Because I assume there's like a, because they're loaded. So there must be kind of like a, I say must be, I assume there is like a spiritual kind of, it's not just like, it's pretty and it's married. There's more going on. There is, there is. <laughs> there always is. There's always something going on underneath it. Uh, the squish animals are for specific people. And that's the part that I probably should have said earlier. They have a lot of agency. They also have a lot of agency with who they go to. That's why it's an adoption process and not just like they're for sale. Because sometimes they say no to people. Actually, very often they say no to people. When I ask, like there's, there's a human that says, hey, I want this animal. I saw you making them. Is this mine? And then I do divination with the squish and they say yes or no. Sometimes it's like, no, but if I have to, I'll go. And then I'm like, yeah, no, you're not going to, we're not going to do that to either one of you. We don't, we don't do that. So that, that's a very like, this is one to one. This is made for this person. And usually I don't know who they are either. Right. Like people think that I know who the animals are going to go to. I am so wrong all the time. I can have my guesses, but they have so much of their own agency that they don't even tell me who they go to sometimes. They just say, make me because of these things. And then I do it. And then the person that shows up, I say, huh, no idea you had that going on in your life. But okay, off you go. Whereas with the Marys, they are more devotional, right? Like I have maybe three or four levels of Mary practice that I'm doing that I'm starting to kick out to other people. One of them is making panels of like Mary that are devotional and hand-sewn and will be framed. And they're kind of like maybe 13 inches, 
16 inches by 18 inches. Like they're, they're big. They're That's like huge, yeah. devotional panels and it's, that takes forever. So I'm, I'm doing that. But then I also have smaller Marys that I'm making. One will be actual statues that are kind of like 12 inches, nine inches. And now I'm making the little ones that are loaded for different aspects of Mary. Like Mary is a mother and Mary is a woman and she does so much, right? Like she covers so much ground as this one feminine archetype that I love. I just love how dense she is. And then the more that I work with her, the bigger she gets and the more dense she gets. And the, the whole like theory of alien sightings as Mary and Mary being an alien has come up lately too, because the apparitions happen with like, different places different people and there it, it's really fascinating it's getting dense mary is getting very dense for me but do you get like an ex like when you're working with mary does she sometimes give you a kind of like a i'm i'm trying to like do a hand gesture for aliens i don't have like a kind of like x-files vibe do you get are you getting like kind of like sometimes she gets feelings? weird oh right like there there's versions of her that i'm like you were really intense right now like I have a red Mary that I work with that I got um, commissioned by Mary Henlon, Portland Mary. It's gorgeous. It is intense. It is really intense to look at. It is really intense to have. And even as Portland Mary was making her, she was like, this is great. And she has things that she wants in her. And I didn't think I was going to make her. Like that was a whole thing between us where like, she said it was going to take forever to make her because she had all these other orders and she didn't have the right clay. And I said, that's fine. Don't worry about it. And within like a week, she's like, I found the clay. I cleaned my space. I'm making it right now. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's about right for Red Mary. Okay. And as I was seeing pictures of her, like she's gorgeous. She's really intense. And the person making her felt that intensity as it was happening. And I'm like, yeah, she gets like that sometimes, but you know, Red Mary, as she goes. What is what is Red Mary's like besides intensity? Like, what kind of vibe is it? It's like intensely loving, very scary. Like, it's uh, it's let's see, let's see how to put this. I feel like that version of Mary helps me work with people better, right? Like, there's a boundary setting aspect to her. Mm. There's a protective aspect to her. There's also that love, like there, there's all that love that always happens with Mary that it just, you, you can't get away from that. That's never not part of her, but that particular love is like, let's make sure that things are set. Let's make sure that things are in the vein that they're supposed to be. She seems a little martial to me in that thing too. Of like, how do we strategically plan for this? How do we make sure that you're doing the right things? How do we like keep you on track? It's that kind of love. But she also helps me with human people, right? Like the human people aspect of my life can get a little intense sometimes. Like I'm a reader. I do spirit work for other folks. Like it, the human element can get a little dense. So she's also like, and they're out. They did the thing. They got to go. Or yeah, yeah. It's that hard line, Mary, of like, we got to make sure that you're good first, that your human body is healthy first that you were okay, I love you, we're going to get this together, make sure you come back and check in with me. I really love that vibe of like, 
like the thing my mind keeps jumping to it's central committee mary which is like perfect but that might be the wrong kind of red i'm going in the wrong direction um but like the ones that like you the ones that i make right now they're all going to be different right so i have another mary that i call the gold mary and that's kind of where these little statues are coming from right now they're coming from very gold mary energy where it's about abundance about the land about it's a lot of solar stuff too right like that that growth seeds sunflowers that's all that's in there like the sunflower seeds black eyed peas for more abundance leaves pine for more stability sunflower flower petals to like help bloom that out a little bit more so it's kind of the entire trajectory of a sunflower in one small mary to help bring more abundance into folks lives and they're small they're small they're like almost three inches i think so you put them in your pocket and carry them around with you that sounds really lovely and that's also like was the process really different here where like it sounds like this is very sort of planned out as opposed to like received in situ yeah i kind of work like that right like i do a lot of downloaded stuff and that's where craft work in the more traditional like cloth craft comes from and then there's the collage-ish kind of work that kicks it back out in a different way mm. so that was more of my like i think that i want to make mary's but i want to make sure that she's abundant this time like how do i bring abundance through mary through love through these smaller statues that is super cool but i also used to do pocket spell bags in the same way right like i had a solar pocket spell a three kings pocket spell i like little stuff i think um it's nice right especially i mean like if you're coming from new york where everything has to be small yeah 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 i did a protection one too with the nazar that i crocheted on the back of it like there's there's a lot of little that i like being able to have it be little and have people carry it with you so that's where these versions of mary came from i'll make a couple of them that are the nine inches that are more the abundance ones but having pocket Marys that you can carry around that do different things. That's, that's my new joy. I'm going to start making red ones soon, probably some blue ones. I have stuff that I'm getting today to make more of them, but that's, I also like that everyone can be different because I'll have all my supplies and then I'm, I kind of just tap out and go into like a little bit of a trance state and put stuff in the different molds and then pour them. And I don't know what they're going to look like until after they're done. That is super cool that you can just like let it ride through. Also, I'm mildly distracted because not to keep talking about the weather, but as we were talking about Solar Mary, rain stopped, sun is bright out now over the course of five minutes. I'm blaming you for this. People do. <laughs> people people do. That You're not the first to blame me for messing with the weather. Sorry. I mean, now I feel less rude and more confirmed by society. So that's, you know, that's fun for me. Like, okay, so the Marys are incredible. Huge fan. Uh, People should get them from you. But like, also, do you see the Mary as a long-term thing? Or do you feel like it's going to, you're going to do the Mary for a bit and then there's something on the horizon that needs to get made? You know, I never know when these things are going to end. Like, I thought I was just going to make three of the stuffies. The squishes and now i'm on like 37 i don't know they just they happen it's great i mean like yeah keep it keep it keep it rolling that's fantastic and even with the marys like they're um they're lovely and i love making them like i do them 
whenever I can at this point. Like I'll do some stuff and then I'll like go put some in and then I'll go do some other stuff. And so I've made 33 of them already. Like they, they happen really quickly for some reason. And they're going to be in so many different iterations that I don't know when they're going to stop. Like they can evolve and grow with you as you kind of. Yeah. And I know that there's a bunch of different ones that are going to come through. Like there's going to be kind of black and day glow Marys. I don't know who needs that in their life or why, but um, they're going to happen. It's going to be black glitter, probably like neon glitter and whoever needs that version of alien Mary. Great. But this is, they're, they're going to come through as they come through. And I'm really, really excited about making the bigger ones. Like, and I have some, I know Mary is attached to the heart and I've been doing a lot of heart shaped heart symbolism. And then like the whole anatomical heart work lately. So I have some gemstone heart molds that I have coming soon that are going to be attached to that and see if I can put hearts inside of Mary. Yeah like making the heart and then making it go inside one of the bigger Marys. Cool. I'm this an art great. kid. Like this is. Right. I mean, you said you came to New York to do the art kid. Yeah. Thing. I'm so excited that my magic has turned into my artwork. Right. Like that's, that's how I talk to the world anyway. So if this is how my magic gets kicked out to other people and can help them. This is perfect. Like that's what I wanted to do in the first place. And it just didn't work out in the traditional art landscape way. And I get to do so many art based things that are also really helpful and really like powerful for people when they want to use them. That is super cool. Okay. I think that's, that's a great place to kind of put the little, the little flag on the, why am I, I don't know, like the Mario Kart anyway, but like, yeah, the thing, but before we close things out, like if you, you know, you've got the, you've got the, the soapbox, you've got the microphone, like, is there any like last little thing you want to like leave people with as like a, a thought or a bit of advice or just sort of like a, you know, you've been doing this for a bit now and you've, you've, you've had the, the rough and tumble experiences of making mistakes and learning and growing in the big city. And now you're in the other big city. Like, what would you, what would you tell the kids at home now that you got? <laughs> Good question. I think the best thing you can do is start with your ancestors. That's what I probably should have done. I probably should have just started with my own ancestors, my own dead, really sitting with them all the time and beefing up that practice. And the second thing you can do is listen, right? Like if things are talking to you, it's probably for a reason. It's not probably, it's not to scare you. It's probably to give you information or have a conversation. So maybe listen to the things that are coming up and then see where they go. You don't have to act on all of them, but they're probably leading you in the right direction because most things want to do well by you and with you. That's lovely. That's great. Okay. If people want to like learn more or see the Marys, where should they go? What should they do? Where can you be discovered on, I assume the internet, but also I guess if you want to be like, and physically my location is these coordinates. I feel like that's, that's fine. If you oh, want to do fun. that. <laughs> I don't have a shop yet in, in my world, but I am on Instagram. You found me there. Most people can find me there. I'm not really on Facebook. So Instagram is like the best place to find me. And if you need any of my information, it is all there. 
the Marys, I might be selling them in a shop in New Orleans soon. So that'll be fun. That'll be fun. I just talked about that yesterday. So I don't want to like give too much away before they're up. But yeah, they're they're going to be up. I will also sell them through DMs. So if people want one and you see one that's like really yours, just hit me up and I will send it to you in the mail. Hell yeah. Thank you so much. This kicked ass. Huge fan. <laughs> I'm happy you're happy with it. This has been really cool. Oh, good. Yay. Thank you so much to Sydney Gray. I will have a link in the show notes to where you can check out her Instagram and the other links that are pertinent and relevant and helpful. This has been Witch Hassle. Thank you so much for listening. Our theme music was performed by Sebastian Bafestam and recorded by Edward Lee. Good luck with the work ahead. <laughs>